News Talk 1110-993 WBT. It is the Brett Witterbull Show. The Friday hangover in full effect, and I am holding over my very good friend, Pete Callender, who's uh, done so much great radio uh, this entire week. I had to hold him over for one final segment. Pete Callender, good to have you back, my friend. Glad to be back. All right, now, what, 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 is, this, what is this Patrick McHenry thing? thing that he's complaining about that he's grousing about have you seen this i have not oh good lord this is i don't mean to shoot inside the tent theoretically hypothetically (laughs) or any of that sort of stuff um he says most of us don't have wealth republican congressman calling for a pay bump says one hundred and seventy four thousand dollars salary not enough to attract credible people to run Uh, what well to run to run to run for office you know, uh, Representative Patrick McHenry says right. members of Congress should be paid more if Americans want credible people to run for office. There hasn't really been a pay bump since 2009. Hmm. And he argued that uh, skilled individuals with a desire to serve the public and be effective legislators should be paid accordingly. They're um, they're making the argument in this piece over at Yahoo Finance um, that if you were going to really keep it up to date with the... Uh, with the pace of inflation, mm-hmm. it shouldn't be 174. It should be 250. Mm-mm. I don't like this. No. I don't like this. Mm-mm. I mean, I like him. He's a good guy, but I don't like this idea. I mean, is he not factoring in all the, all, all the investment stuff that the people get to do with the inside information? I mean, that's right. His- Can't you take the 174, take a chunk of that out, set it aside? And just, you know, pool it with Nancy Pelosi's yes. stocks. Yes. Like, what's the point of being exempt from the insider trading laws? Correct. If you're not going to do the insider trading. That's exactly right. You, you, there's a reason why you're inside. Right. You're inside the beltway where you can do, you literally, I mean, it's it's approaching Caligula status. Like, you mm. can commit almost any crime, kill anybody, whatever it is, and, uh, you know, you're inside the circle of trust. Yeah. I, uh... This is, look, well, how, then how do so many of these elected officials end up oh. becoming millionaires when they're in office? Well, you see, you see, there's the Republicans that are all the rich people. So, you know, they, I'm sorry, Nancy Pelosi is right. not a Republican. Darn it. Um, but, well, you, you know, you've got a lot of these people that do cry poor mouth. Uh, mm. A porter out of, uh, out of Orange County. She's trying to become the senator. She's a particularly nasty leftist. Mm-hmm. Um, I do I don't know. See, I, I just I look at this and I go, you we are spending so much money. People are suffering with inflation. Right. And you can't come out now and say that you need to pay people more money. What, right. Maybe well, they need because to, of inflation, probably like. Maybe, yeah. Isn't that amazing? Like you're going to yeah, you're going to do all of these. Uh, okay. You're going to do all the spending that drives up the inflation. And now you're like, oh, my gosh, my my salary has to keep up with inflation. You and I can fix this. I, I can fix this for <laughs> us right now. This mi- this minute. You ready? OK. NIL money for the Congress. Oh, people. I like it. <laughs> they can sell their names, images, and likeness. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, they can't go to Epstein Island anymore. But, um, but they, you know, they, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of ways. you could, I mean, look, th- do you think AOC is poor? No way. No, not she's anymore. Got, she's got a Tesla. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah right. Well, see, this, and so this is one of the things. I remember uh, Rush used to... Uh, uh, talk about this, where he he would have people over. They'd be at dinner or whatever. Maybe yep. you were one of them at one point, and he would ask them uh, a question, something along the lines of, "What do you think is rich?" 
yeah. what what counts as rich. And he talked about how you know it's amazing to hear the 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 wide disparity uh, that in the answers that people provide because mm-hmm. it's all such a personal thing. That's like, right. Where did you come from? What are you making now? What do you think you need in order to sure. uh, to be set, quote unquote? Right. That's right. And so it's it's such a subjective bar. Um, I mean, look at the. This is an argument you hear. Oh, you saw it at uh, Charlotte City Council, mm-hmm. right, where they gave themselves like a, a, a salary of fifty thousand dollars or something. That's right. Uh, and then uh, meanwhile, up at the state legislature, uh, those guys are making like twenty five k. And they, they got to travel all the way to Raleigh from, you know, all across the state. They got to stay in hotel rooms yeah. or apartments mm. and stuff. Mm. Um, and that's, that's supposedly a quote, part time job. So, uh, and so you hear the arguments there too. Oh, if we want people, you know, you know, better qualified people that are willing to, you know, in the prime of their life, in their earning years to go do yeah. public service, mm-hmm. uh, rather than all of these retirees, which look, that is a particularly compelling argument because if you've ever been up to the legislature, it mm-hmm. does resemble sometimes a bit of, uh, of a retirement community. There are well, a sure lot of there are a lot of <laughs> yeah. uh, people who have retired, and because th- now they have the time to do it. And but here's the thing: it's it's either public service or it's not, and it's it's not supposed to be a permanent full time oh, well, career. Uh, okay, well, now you're here. You're going to get all technical about this. <laughs> that the founders originally viewed this as a pain in the rear end. That you had to go, go and do service like you do at a jury duty kind of a mm-hmm. thing, right? You were everybody was going to be everybody rotate through there. Right. And so here's your, you know, here's your jug of whiskey and and, and your block of cheese so that you can have sustenance. But here's here's the thing that I'm starting to wonder about, though. And only you can help me out with this. I don't think that. Yeah. Well, you will understand here in a very, very quick moment. Okay. Um, Could we get more stuff passed? Like I'm talking about the conservatives, right? Could could we get more stuff passed? No. If we sold it. Hold on. If we sold it as protecting the democracy oh yes could we get defense spending if we were protecting the democracy could we get uh, the border wall for defending the democracy i mean yes should we just pick up that mantle and wear it pete calendar i don't use this term very often yes please but i think in this case it applies hero i think you have achieved hero status with this idea this could completely alter the entire landscape of our political discourse much like much like woke when woke first came out, woke was a term that was used mm-hmm. for um, uh, like uh, in the African American community. They were like, "Well, once you wake up and you realize the way all of this stuff works, then you're quote woke." Mm-hmm. And then the the you know the awfuls picked it up. The affluent white female yes. liberals they picked it up and they started saying woke this woke that. And then conservatives started using it to mock yes. the woke. And now it is. It is purely a term of derision. Yes. It is no longer, people don't call themselves woke anymore. Correct. And I think, mm-hmm. much like woke, mm-hmm. I think if we start tacking mm-hmm. for the democracy, yes. we tack that on uh-huh. to every policy mm-hmm. prescription, mm-hmm. every campaign slogan, The fair tax, the flat tax. For the democracy. The, for the demo- we have to extend the Trump cuts for the democracy. And that's it. And see, this is Pete. I think we've just. I think no, it just, was you. That's all you. I can't claim credit, but I probably will once I'm off the air. But like, I would not claim credit <laughs> in the se- in the segment with you. Um, j- our good friend John Stewart just uh, said the the legislators make thirteen thousand dollars a year, but they do get a per diem for travel and hotel. Right. So there we go. So I so I over I over. 
exaggerated. I doubled their salary to for the democracy. <laughs> for the democracy. Now, could, could, can for the democracy apply to like the state of North Carolina? Like, is it sure? Is it just the? So we have like layers of the democracy now. Multiple democracies that we can exploit. Right. Okay. This. Yeah. Well, we're gonna. Well, we, you know, we should. We should be running some of this um, <laughs> in like a, the the a laboratory of democracy uh, mm-hmm. at the local levels. That's right. We should start seeing. You know, who might be interested in doing this? Mm-hmm. Tark Bakari, the Charlotte City Councilman. Yes. He might be interested in working the democracy into various. You mean like the, uh, the kids arguments steal, the kids from steal, the dais? You the know, kid, the kids that steal cars. We have to stop them for the democracy. For the democracy. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, like, that's how important this issue is. We're going to lose the democracy. <laughs> Dude, I think actually this, like, in all seriousness, yeah. I think I think this is brilliant. I really, I think this is... Well, this we're going to take ownership this, of the democracy. I'm just so sick of the term. I really I am. I am, too. I, like, I'm, I, I'm, I'm almost willing. I'm like, you know what? Let's just go authoritarian, just yeah. so I don't have to hear the term anymore. Yeah, but at some point, the system will fail. Always, but so I mean, they'll, you'll hear terms like they'll they'll go we'll go full authoritarian. Yes. they'll say it's a republic and all of that. But you'll right. never hear the term democracy anymore. You will and not. Like I'm at the point, and now I'm wondering. Wait, wait a minute. Is that the whole point? Are they are they that softening is. me up by making me hate the word so much because they say it so many times yeah. about all sorts of things, yep. and maybe they're softening me up so I'm ripe for a tyrant. Mm-hmm. Well, Tyrant ripeness. Biden's talking about going full Hitler, so you never know. Mm-hmm. I mean, there we go. Hey, for the democracy. For the demo- you can't go full Hitler for the democracy. <laughs> <laughs> man, great stuff. Have a uh, have a wonderful weekend. And you too. Uh, I appreciate you being here, man. Always, Peace thanks, Calendar, man. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Brett Witterbull. We're all for the democracy. News Talk 1110 WBT. It is the Brett Witterbull Show, 704-570-1110. Good to be with you. Uh, if you're just joining us, <clears throat> the people are reacting, and I'm going to go to the calls here in just a moment. Uh, most of us don't have wealth, says Republican congressman calling for a pay bump. He says uh, $174,000 salary is not enough to attract, quote, credible people to run. Critics are calling him a hypocrite. Now, this is uh, Representative Patrick McHenry, and uh, the Republican lawmaker has called for an increase to the current $174,000 salary for congressional members, which has been set in stone since 2009, arguing that skilled individuals with a desire to serve the public and be effective legislators should be paid accordingly with their, with their skill level. Most of us live on the salary, the North Carolina politician told the dispatch in an interview. Most of us don't have wealth. Well, McHenry's quest to get the highest quality folks in the U.S. House could benefit the uh, American people. His call for a pay bump has caused some critics to brand him a hypocrite. Well, they're, they're saying he's a hypocrite because he opposed an increase in the minimum wage. And so they're saying, well, because he didn't support the minimum wage hike, he's a hypocrite. A salary of $174,000 back in 2009 would be about $250,000 today if it had kept pace with inflation. Both both figures are far higher than the median income for U.S. households, which was, in in 2022, $74,580. So this this is the fight that is now kind of percolated and popped up. Is this a great topic to raise in an election year? Probably not if you're trying to be strategic, but it has come up. And I want to talk to 
you great people who are uh, on hold. Key, Key, is this you uh, on uh, online uh, too? Welcome to the show. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm well. Thanks for calling. Yeah, I heard that, what you said, Patrick McHenry said. I'd like to be able to tell him, how about this? You want to increase your salary because of the inflation that you're largely responsible for, and it's not worth the job? Don't run for it. Mm. How about before you get that increase, give it to enlisted people in the service? Love that. Or increase people's Social Security. Index it to the Social Security increases you give every year. Mm. I know a guy who's getting another 33 bucks a month, and you can't live on 174000 Stay home. There we go. Great, great stuff, Key. Appreciate that. Thanks for calling. And, and, and it's a really smart idea about the folks in the service, no doubt. John, welcome to the program. Hey, Brett. Thanks uh, for taking my call. First and foremost, on this day, uh, you were you were really blessed to work with this man, uh, Rush Limbaugh. I was. Uh, <laughs> gee whiz. Anyway, today he was born, and uh, that's right. Anyway, the right, the right's been saved with him, and hopefully, we keep going. But on the topic of Patrick McHenry, yes, sir. Listen, uh, and T, T said it, buddy. If you can't live on that money, don't run. But first and foremost, if you're if upset about inflation, well, take us back to 2009, buddy. So your money is worth all of that. I would die to go backwards in time, not forwards in time. Yeah. And then lastly is, uh, you know, I would, I told you, call screener, I would go to D.C. and I would represent my nation, my state, my county. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can't afford to run a campaign. I couldn't afford uh, for all those those hounds to go digging through my, my closet. That's right. And fend off everything. You know, our founding fathers despised. They loathed mm-hmm. going to Capitol Hill mm-hmm. when it was back in those days because they wanted to be home on the farm. That's right. All right. They needed. They had other jobs to do. This was public service. That's correct. So That's... Patrick McHenry is way the hell off, co- heck off course. Yep. And uh, yeah, he he needs to reexamine his uh, his his ideologies. Uh, great point. Great great point there. I appreciate that call, John, and thank you so much for for checking in. It uh, it's always good to talk. With, uh, with, with smart people like that. You know, it's interesting. And, and I was once upon a time accused of the ultimate suck-up because today is Rush Limbaugh's birthday. It's also my son Luke's birthday. And when Luke was born, Rush called me out on the air and said that we had set this up perfectly to suck up to him, uh, which I thought was awesome, which is one of the, mo- one of the most awesome memories uh, ever. But, yeah, I mean, look— Rush is the guy. Just remember, all Rush did was everything to revitalize the AM band, the FM band, talk radio. Um, he was a, he was a, a singular talent. And uh, in fact, I was going back and forth earlier today with uh, with, with David Limbaugh, Rush's brother, and um, we were we were uh, we were reminiscing on a number of topics. News Talk 1110-993 WBT. People are hot under the collar here today. Uh, they are hot under the collar with this uh, call by Congressman Patrick McHenry to raise the congressional pay from 174 to like 250 uh, to get better uh, quality, uh, credible candidates uh, into office. I, I don't know what we're doing here. This is a little bit frustrating. I can feel the frustration through the phones with the folks. Let's talk to... Uh, Dr. Bob, Dr. Bob, what are you thinking about this idea? Well, let me tell you. Here's the way I look at it. If he wants to raise their salary, 
first thing he needs to do is balance the budget. Second thing he needs to do is do not raise the debt ceiling Mm -hmm. so that my grandkids aren't paying for everything that we're doing today 25 years from now. Because it's ridiculous. One, get also... Get rid of the fact that if you get elected to Congress and you serve one term, one term, and decide not to run again, you're paid your $174,000 a year for the rest of your life and get all the insurance benefits and everything of being a congressman. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Now, to me, that's ridiculous. Now, now here's, see, here's the other part of the, of the equation, too, Dr. Bob. Um, these guys could be a congressman for, you know, two years, four years, six years. You know, they spend a little bit of time there in the Congress, right? Then they can turn that around, leave the Congress, and go lobby, right? I mean, you can get out there, ring doorbells, and knock on doors, and take people to lunch, and or earn the old-fashioned way with grift and graft, you know? I mean, that's, that's what it is. Well, not only, not only that, look at uh, uh, ex-President Obama, yes. who makes more money doing speeches. Mm-hmm than he ever did anything for the country mm. they are. with, mm-hmm. uh, 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 what's his name, uh, Lazy Joe or whatever was <laughs> Joe Biden. You know, with him when he was president. <laughs> yes, so, sir. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Sleepy Joe. Yeah, that's right. That's, uh, Sleepy Joe, that's yeah, it. Yeah. Thanks, Dr. Bob. Appreciate you being out there today. Let's go to Jim next. Jim, welcome to the program. Yeah, I want to stay on topic about this. But first, I want everybody to understand that not all of us that call in from San Diego are working on our pecs and glutes or our trilateral commissions at the same time. That was not a trilateral. It was a military press. He was That, that was Yankee Joe military pressing. Yes. No, take care of the temple before you call. Oh, an admonition. Totally... A shot fired at Yankee Joe. I love this. Okay. What are you thinking well, about this uh, about this idea of raising pay? Yeah, uh, I think that uh, what he needs to understand, and I think he knows, we are at war. This is a time of war, and uh, we are uh, being actively being uh, destroyed by our enemies from without and from within. And it requires for every one of us to make a sacrifice, mm. make whatever sacrifice you have to. And I'll give you an example. I was going to use Pat Tillman as somebody who is making a very good living and decided to sacrifice his, uh, what he was, the amount of money he was making and ultimately had to make the ultimate sacrifice. But right. I got a better example okay. of somebody who made a great sacrifice to help his country. And that is uh, Rush. Rush Limbaugh uh, made a very good living and was very passionate about uh, the opportunity that he was blessed with. And when it came time that he had to decide between his health issues and evangelizing what needed to be done to save his country, he decided he would make the sacrifice and stay on the air and do whatever he had to do to be heard, even though he was handicapped with with, uh, severe health issues that that completely inhibited his ability. But he he broke through anyway. He was able Mm -hmm. to cut through anyway. And that's the kind of sacrifice that every one of us needs to Think about making, including Patrick McHenry. You, you know, do you know why he he uh, sacrificed uh, in, in that way? Rush. Yeah. 
Um, like I say, I think because he knew that he had to, there's so many people that have to be educated yeah. and it had to continue the work about awareness that, that, about what was happening. That, that's true. That's true. That's true. He also loved his audience. Like uh, the, as much as the audience loved him, he loved them, um, equally and, and maybe even more. Uh, that, that, that was why right. he, he, what was, remember his moniker was constantly, um, doing what I was born to do. And that's, uh, that's, that's why he kept that fight up. Um, do you feel that way about yourself? Do I feel what that I would sacrifice my health for for my show? No, that you're doing what you were born to do right now. Yes, I do feel that way. Uh, I, I, I dreamt I yes. dreamt my entire uh, my entire life of of being able to get on the radio, even truthfully, even before I knew who Rush was. Um, I I wanted to do I wanted to broadcast I wanted to be uh, on the air. Um, and and when I got to work with him, it it was it was an amazing thing to get to bear witness to. Right, you felt like you were at where you were. Yes, you were meant to be. Yes, your whole life. Yes, and That's he amazing. used to say it all the time. That's right, you, you know what you know what he used to say all the time, Jim. He used to say all the time, if you love what you do, you never have a day of work. That that's really what that was his philosophy. If you love what you're doing. It's not a job. It's not work. It's it's your passion. Right. I got to tell you, all the for eight years I've been calling in for eight years. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, sir. Right. I made so many arrangements to get get people out of my way, hide in the car, stop <laughs> going to the gym, uh, everything I had to do to to isolate my affairs and everything so that I could go on the air because it never felt like work. It was felt like I was doing what I what I had to do. Right. What, uh, 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 I, I was on the front line. I am actually a warrior for this nation, for this cause, for this country. Right, right. And I'm actually doing something significant now. Not like when I was in the Navy. No, get out of here. We we, we love our military personnel and, and the people who, who sacrifice and serve. Come on now. Jim, you know, you're, you're, you're terrific. I was a rear guy. You're terrific, Jim. I appreciate you. Have a great week. Have a great week. We'll have time to talk about my Navy stories later. We will. Okay, thank you, my friend. Jim, God bless you. (laughs) News Talk 1110 WBT. It's the Brett Witterbull Show, 704 570 1110. Austin has been patiently holding on, and I appreciate him holding on. Austin, welcome to the program, sir. Hey Brett, thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling. Um, we're uh, I'm, I've been in the school pickup line here, pouring down rain. So um, oh boy, uh, hopefully you can hear me. Yes, you sound great. The, the conversation was it seemed void of a couple things mm-hmm. about the pay raise. Yes, that you know you may not agree with the number or whatever. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But uh, first, um, U.S. congressmen and senators do not get a housing allowance. So they have to maintain two residencies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you have to take that into perspective. And that, and one of those residencies is in one of the most expensive places in the entire country to live in, and that's Washington, D.C. Sure, that's that makes sense. So, you know, that, that needs to be – that's some objective thinking in the conversation. Should it be 200 and whatever, you know, but, but you can't just lay that aside. The second part, and tell me if I'm wrong or not, but is not Patrick McHenry is not running again. Pretty sure he announced he's not running, right? Uh, that's a good. Uh, or did he change his yeah. district? Is he is he is he totally out? 
Okay, so yeah, so there you go. So positive, he said he's done. Then he's safe. So then then he's safe in terms of of that of, of that uh, argument. That's probably why he's making the argument because he's fireproof at this that, stage. Yeah, he's the perfect guy to toss it up because. But you can say it's not for me. But it's but the, the but the, okay. So. Well, okay. But here's here's the deal. Okay, if you if you you get to write off a lot of stuff that you're spending money on when you're in Congress. Right. You get you. you, If you rent a a place because you're serving in the United States Congress, I have to believe that you may not get an allowance, but you do get a you do get a write off because that's that's a business expense living in D.C. You can't commute to D.C. Is it a business expense? I mean, I I don't I I, I don't know. Is it you're not it's not. When I mean you're not self, that's not a self-employed thing. You're you're an employee of the United States. Can you can you write it off as an expense? It, maybe you can expense yeah, it. I, in some of I, I imagine I they could find some that. some sharky kind of CPA that would be able to get you well, protected a little bit. You've seen the study that comes out with how many guys end up millionaires by the time they're done serving. Of course, so, of course. I don't think. I'm not going to accuse anyone or whatever, but uh, I'm not trying to say they're they're living in a van down by the river by any means. But but it does need to be objectively understood that these guys have you know a lot, I know a lot of congressmen. I've met some that they share apartments. You know, two, three, four of them will get together and they'll just split an apartment trying to save on rent. They have families back home. They go back and forth between those families, and and they're not lazy people. They work their tails off. You no, know, you, you may not like what they produce. But even when they're home, uh, they're in chamber commerce meetings. They have to visit with with people who have sure. issues out of their offices. They have a. Sure. I mean, these guys are wide open. They're they're family. It's a job. It's a, it's, a, it's a job. It's a it's a job. I mean, it, yes. It, they, is they, full, it is a it is not a forty hour week job. It's a seven day. But week you're job. a congressperson. Okay, you're you're a congressperson. That means a lot. That means that that opens doors for you even after you leave Absolutely. office. I mean, I imagine Absolutely. I, I imagine if, if George Santos. I imagine wacky George Santos is probably cleaning up uh, right now. Uh, Madison Cawthorn's been starting to pop up again. It, it, these are people. Yeah. These are people who have got a very good quality of life as a consequence of having R.E.P. in front of their name. Yes, and the people who constantly run on, we need term limits, never seem to propose it or fight for it. So there's all kinds of hypocrisy in that thing, which, if, if you'll let me, I'd like to make a uh, selfish plug. Go ahead. Um, for what? So being Patrick McHenry is, gonna, is not going to have a job, mm-hmm. uh, assuming he doesn't have one lined up, he can go to careerexpo.work and help the Boys and Girls Club of Dallas, North Carolina. And uh, so we're, we're actually putting on a job fair to raise money for the Boys and Girls Club of America of Greater Gaston in Dallas, North Carolina. That's and so cool. um, it's our third year doing it. We've got businesses that come from all over Gaston County, as big as the hospital, to Centos, companies all over. They come, they pay to be there, mm-hmm. and then it's free to the community to come. And um, they get a free meal, get a chance to win a thousand bucks. High school kids get an opportunity to yeah. win luxury box seats to a uh, Hornets game through CentOS, and and it's all to just help people find better careers. When so, is it? Uh, CareerExpo dot work. Okay. When is it? When does this happen? January thirty first. Okay. Well, no, no. January thirty first is our debate. We got the debate out there. I mean, well, it's three to seven. We got the. We got it's three the, to seven. Okay. Yeah, three to seven. Okay, we'll do drop in maybe. Okay, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for being out there, and uh, good luck with everything, Austin. He held on for a long time. He held on for a long time. Jim, what's on your mind, Jim? 
Hey, Brad, I thought I heard you just mention you had had a conversation with uh, Rush's brother, David. We, we, were, we, were, we were communicating back and forth earlier today, yes. Okay, I was hopeful that maybe that you could make uh, us privy of that conversation, but possibly not. It's on my Twitter. You can see me. You can okay. see my Twitter. It's it's we we, yeah, we were talking I, I never about. Yeah, I will forget. Uh, you may have been a wee lad. I've listened to Rush ever since WBT carried him. Right, sometime between 1988 and 90, so I think when he started. And I never will forget 1992. I used to pack a lunch so I could go out at lunchtime and listen to Rush. 1992, the Clintons won, of course. That's right. And Rush, the whole program played uh, Brown's uh, I Feel Good. That's right. I thought I'd crack up. I thought I didn't know if I could drive back to the office and go to work. <laughs> hey. Clarence, let, let me tell And then he would do the homeless segment, Clarence Gatemouth Brown. That's, that's uh, right. Ain't got no home. Ain't got no home. I thought I thought I would crack up. I didn't know if I could work the rest of the day. Oh yeah, he was. There'll never be another Rush Limbaugh. No, there won't be. And 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 what a way to celebrate his birthday to to remember all that for for so many people here. That's really that's really cool of you, man. Uh, Clarence Frogman Henry. I mean uh, Rita X. Rita X was a uh, was another a great uh, a person who was a, a devotee of uh, Louis uh, Farrakhan, um, and and she would call in on the program. That was a, that was a full service entertaining program. Uh, I knew I I felt I, I wasn't really sure why Rush was doing that in '92. <laughs> I later knew that that would mean he could have the latest golf stream for the rest of his career <laughs> because he's going to make so much money lampooning the Clintons. Well, there was a lot of lamp there was a lot to lampoon there. I mean, you know, it's Oh, absolutely. I mean, you remember, remember the song they would play where it was a Hillary Clinton saying my brain is jello? She couldn't answer the questions. Oh, 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 <laughs> they'll, uh, they'll never be another like him. No, never. No, ever. that's true. That's true. Thanks for calling, Jim. I appreciate you being out there, buddy. You bet. Hey, man, it's awesome. See, these these people are like the founding fathers of that program. I mean, they they, they were like checking in real quick. Uh, Mike, hold on. I'm going to take your call when we get back because Mike has got a, a very interesting observation, and I want to share it uh, with, with you and with the audience, and uh, we'll continue the conversation. Everything is fair game these days, you know. By the way, if you were to send a message to Washington, D.C. today, what would it be? What's your number one thing that you're ticked about? 704-570-1110. Let us know. <laughs> News Talk 1110-993 WBT. It is the Brett Witterbull Show. 704-570-1110. Good to be with you. Coming up, an outrage that you will not believe. It's not like life and death, but it is a shocking outrage that's coming your way. Uh, I want to go back out uh, on the phones and check in with Mike, because Mike wants hey, to Brett. make an important point. Yes, sir. Welcome to the show. Thank you for taking my call again, and I'll take the liberty of saying Happy New Year to you. Oh, thank you, buddy. Happy I'm, New Year I'm, to you, too. I'm able to get in before. Yes, uh, I, you know, the point that came up, and some of the callers touched on it, was that the Founding Fathers saw this as a civic duty. Mm-hmm. And they actually, if you look at some of the Federalist Papers and the letters between themselves, uh, were afraid of creating a ruling class and never wanted career politicians. Uh, right. and, and, and you take a look at that constructivism, and that's one point against mm-hmm. uh, giving them a pay raise. The other is 
if the pay is so bad, why do we have career politicians? Well, yeah, there, yeah, there you go. Right, that's exactly right. Yeah, you know, we have people that have been in office for decades. Sure, not one or two terms, but decades mm-hmm. of service. Uh, Joe Biden's a prime example. Uh, uh, so definitely, I, I just think that they would be turning over in their grave to know that we have a perpetual political system. With, they thought it was a civic duty to right. serve their country and then go back home and work. That that is that is absolutely uh, correct, and and they did not necessarily want this thing to be a, like you said a, a permanent existence in, in Washington D.C. or any other place. That, you know, it was like, hey, let's no. meet up. Let's 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 the states are going to do what they've got to do. When there's something that we've got to deal with, we'll just get together, we'll vote, and then we'll get back uh, to our business. And, and that is, and then the federal government became the behemoth that it is. It did, and the single worst thing against what they wanted. That's right. Many people have said this in in various forms. The single worst thing that ever happened to Washington D.C. was air conditioning, because now you had a year-round <laughs> government in place in Washington, um, and and that's and that's really what it what it what it comes out. Great stuff, Mike. I appreciate you being out there, my friend. Thank you very much. Thanks. Oh, you're very welcome. I mean, that is a that is a really great call. the The thing with this is, the founders looked at the Constitution and they thought by looking at the Constitution, that the Constitution was a defense against tyranny. Not permanent, but tyranny. Liberty, in their view, was always under attack and far more difficult to maintain than to establish, while at the same time being very easy to undermine. The founders believed the Constitution was for the governance of a moral people, and immoral people could easily undermine it, and use it for their own selfish purposes. And you're seeing that now. You're, you're seeing that now. If you, if you really think about it, the only weapon you have to have any kind of an impact is if you decide you want to impeach a president. But nobody's ever been thrown out of office. Nobody's ever been run from the job. You got 46 presidents, right? And, and, and nobody's been run from the job. There are people who have lost their lives. Tricky Dick resigned, but he quit. But he didn't get run. Like, they didn't say, all right, 100-0 in the Senate, get out of here, Dick Nixon. No, they, they didn't do that. He, he had to quit. And that was to cut a, he had to cut a deal with Jerry Ford, too, so that, so that he wouldn't get totally nuked. And yet, and yet, you never know what people will do. Like, you never know what people will do. Uh, this may seem like a, a bump on a, on, a, on a log, but it's not. This is a very important point, and I think we all need to really be aware of of this sort of uh, outrage. A shopper is at a loss for words after what happened to her in a market. Um, This very nice young woman purchased uh, groceries, and among the groceries she purchased, uh, she purchased a freshly baked baguette, like a big, long thing of bread, right? Big old, long bread. You know, nothing beats a freshly baked baguette. I mean, it's just delicious food. And so there she was, uh, excited about carrying it home, the the French stick in a brown paper bag, you know, bringing it home to eat with, with her dinner. The woman was at a loss for words when, as the cashier was doing her groceries, 
the cashier snapped her baguette in half to make it fit in the bag with her hands. Took it and just went snap and stuffed it in the bag. An animal. That's animalistic behavior. That's the defiling of a beautiful baguette. The story's gone viral, as you could imagine. One person called it a crime against humanity. Well, that's a bit much. Um, she's been, she was shocked to see. She said uh, she was looking at the woman sacking the bags, and um, she snapped it right in half. Look, there's evidence. Here's the photograph. This is the photograth of the destroyed <laughs> okay, because it's it's not just snapped in half, so as to look like a shark's mouth being opened. It's clearly was in a it was already clearly in a plastic container, and so they snapped it and put it in the ba- in the bag. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if if you ordered a pizza delivered to your house? And they and the people couldn't fit it in the car, so they 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 just folded it over like a giant calzone. Wow, I mean, there, this is there how? is a pizza place in town that has a pizza so big yes. that if you have a compact car, it's riding on the roof. No, today out here. Well, I mean, that's your choice, not mine. But can I have it put into smaller boxes? Not an option. No. So, wow. So I don't the, know if they have that option. I'm just, it's not an option for all right, me. Uh, I need the big box. Even if you're in a small car, though, really, you do have an option because you and the passenger, you can you can hold it up against the roof. Oh, there you go. Inside the car. But how are you going to get it in? Getting it through the doors, that's, ooh. That's, tr- uh, that's tricky. I hope they have one of those little cheese tables in there. Like a little tiny cheese table? She added that she found the encounter hilarious and still ate the bread. This is disgusting. This is horrible. Like, you can't, you, you are not permitted under any circumstances to redesign the bread I'm buying and just snap it. Did you see, did you, Isaac, did you see this? Look, look, I mean, tell me what we're supposed to do. Like, did we lose a war? I just lost the picture. Oh. But nevertheless, you could take my word for it. I'll show it to yeah. you during the break. Scoundrels. Scoundrels at every turn, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I know you're driving and it's, it's bad weather out there, so I don't want to like uh, put you on tilt. But this is this is a whole new one for me. Uh, no, it has nothing to do with the bending of the baguette. It's not, not that at all. Don't worry about that. Uh, by the way, somebody said, did, when you bent the baguette or when you saw the picture of the bending of the baguette, did it look like a thigh master? A little bit. Not going to lie to you. Like a bready, like a bread thigh master. I, I, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Uh, the White House has a climate czar. Did you guys know about this? They have a climate czar. You know who the climate czar is? It's a guy called John Kerry. John Kerry is the White House climate czar. But that's not the issue. This is the issue. According to the Boston Herald, the White House's climate czar, John Kerry, reportedly pays hefty six-figure salaries to all but one individual employed in his office, costing you, the taxpayer, $4.3 $4.3 million annually. Now, it gets worse. According to the Boston Herald, which reviewed the State Department records obtained 
using the Freedom of Information Act, John Kerry has never been particularly forthcoming since being named Special Presidential Envoy for Climate, prompting a probe. The climate czar and former Secretary of State under then Barack Obama told the outlet that he reports directly to President Biden rather than the current Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken. Kerry refuses, in other words, does not reveal the names of anyone on his staff and redacts the title of the eight top aides that get paid $186,000 a year. The 27 staff entries include brief titles like policy analyst, senior advisor, and bi-weekly pay. Those are the entrance. A lot of thermostats to adjust to the White, yeah, White House. Yeah, you're right about that. Branch uh, Chief of Statutory Compliance for the State Department, James Rosenbaum, defended the department's decision to redact the staff names, stating that it would be, quote, now, hold on, hold on to the steering wheel. These are public people getting your $4.3 million paid to them and that it would be clearly an unwarranted invasion of an individual's personal privacy to reveal the names of Kerry's staff receiving more than $100,000 annually from taxpayer funds. So we're paying it, but we can't know who. Maybe it's going to Hunter. You know, John Kerry's uh, uh, his uh, stepson. John Kerry's stepson was involved in that whole that whole thing with Devin Archer and uh, Hunter Biden and all that where they had all the kind of chicanerous deals going on. What's going on with this? So here's what we got. They don't want to say how they're spending the four point three million dollars. It's privacy. It's a private matter. It's none of your business. You riffraffs, you, you people, you great unwashed. You, 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 when you run into John Kerry, you say, sir, and you say, sir, yes, sir, Mr. Climate Envoy, Mr. Climate Envoy, who spends four point three million of your dollars each and every year. And you don't need to know who they're paying. They might be paying the Iranians. Who the heck knows? Kerry, who has flown around the globe propagating. Oh, wait, hold on. That sounds a little untoward. Kerry, who has flown around the globe propagating the supposed need for political action and infrastructure overhaul to address the climate change, has since been appointed as the special presidential envoy for client and has received significant blowback from critics who accuse him of hypocrisy. Why? Because he flies around in an airplane instead of doing Zoom meetings. Many have rebuked his use of private jets. John Kerry, I rebuke you for contributing to carbon emissions, which the climate czar fervently defended, alleging that luxury transportation is the only choice for someone like me who is traveling the world to win the battle. That's what he said. I need to be on a private jet. I need to be on private jets because I'm winning the battle. On Friday, the House Oversight Committee launched an investigation into Kerry's actions as special presidential envoy for climate and requested State Department records regarding Kerry's alleged, quote, collusion with leftist environmental groups to join the 
Powering Past Coal Alliance, the Pipica. Powering Past Coal Alliance. How am I supposed to read this? The, the, that, the, the thing is the Pipica. It's the Pipica Powering Past Coal Alliance. He came up with the name, not me. He's, he's got Pipica going on, and he's trying to undermine uh, U.S. national security. Well, I got news for you, Mr. Kerry. We don't do no Pipica here. We believe in free markets. We believe in free markets and transparency. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry to break your, your heart there, buddy, but you're going to have to give us the names. We have to know what the, how the money's getting spent. And then you'd be free to go fly around on a Southwest jet someplace or a, a, a high-speed rail job. How about that? You just get on the high-speed rail. You're all set. You're good to go. Better yet, just have meetings. Just have meetings at your house. Invite the people to come to your house. Host them at your house. And you know what? Pass the hat. Pass the hat from the, you know, the, the different people like Soros and all that. Let them fund the project. Why do we have to fund the project? You see what happens? This is what happens when somebody's a congressman and then somebody becomes a senator and then somebody becomes a presidential candidate who failed and then eventually has nothing to do. That's a problem. News Talk 1110 WBT. It is the Brett Waterville Show, 704-570-1110. Oh, uh, we just found out that uh, Joe Biden says that he has continuing confidence in Lloyd Austin, despite the fact that they couldn't find Lloyd Austin for about three or four days. That's your secretary of defense. Um, the Department of Just Us, that's what I always call it, the Department of Just Us, uh, renews the SCOTUS push to act after Texas seizes border areas and blocks Border Patrol from entering. Texas seized Shelby Park this week in a significant escalation of tensions with the federal government. The Department of Justice has renewed its push for the Supreme Court to act on an ongoing legal dispute between Texas and the federal government after a dramatic move in which Texas seized control of a park near the border and blocked the Border Patrol from entering. Well, hold on. Is it Texas land? Is, it, is, is the land uh, part of Texas? Texas's new actions since the government filing demonstrate an escalation of the state's measures to block Border Patrol's ability to patrol or even surveil the border and be in a position to respond to emergencies, the Department of Justice told the high court. Texas National Guard seized. Oh, you see what they're trying to do? They're trying to turn this thing into Fort Sumter. They're trying to say that there's an insurrection down in Texas so that they can, what, roll the military in and go depose uh, uh, the, the, the governor of the state? You know, you know, Cammy and Joey would love to try to pull that. You know that, right? They're going to show them who's boss. The Texas National Guard seized Shelby Park in Eagle Pass, Texas, and set up razor wire and fences to block off the area. Eagle Pass has been one of the hottest spots of migrant crossings in the three-year border crisis, and Shelby Park is a key staging area for processing during enormous migrant surges that the state has seen. In a statement, 
The Texas Military Department said it maintained a presence in the park since 2021, including with security points and temporary barriers. The current posture is to prepare for the future, illegal immigrant surges, and to restrict the access to organizations that perpetuate illegal immigrant crossings, uh, according uh, to people in that area. Senior Customs and Border Protection sources later confirmed that border patrols being blocked at two areas of operation in Eagle Pass and said that the agents pulled resources to avoid a conversation. So here's what you got to do. Border Patrol, this is what you got to do. Get yourself some boats and, and dock right off the piece of land that you're mad about. And as they come across the river, interdict them and take them to a to a holding facility. Texas land is Texas land. I mean, I'm sorry. I hate to have to tell you that, but this is not international land. This is land in the sovereign state of Texas. You can't you can't just come in there and do that. You know, I mean, this is this is the thing. Okay, here's 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 what here's what Governor Abbott needs to do. Don't even don't even take the migrants into process. Just put them on buses and send them to D.C. You've sent them to Chicago. You've sent them to New York. Uh, you know, New York, I think, is at its breaking point. Chicago, I wouldn't I wouldn't send my worst enemy to Chicago. It's the most dangerous city, I think, in the entire Western Hemisphere. It's, it's worse than Oaxaca. It's worse than Jalisco. It's worse than 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 the, than the different cartel control places in Mexico. So here's what you need to do. Just put them on the bus and send them to D.C. Muriel Bowser is going to be totally in great shape. They've got so many assets there in D.C. You've got all the feds that you could possibly need who can work this out. You, you've got uh, Congress people who can take them in. Now, oh, by the way, did you see what they're doing in Massachusetts? In Massachusetts, Maura Healy, Maura Healy is your governor in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, and Maura Healy is saying that people need to start thinking, uh, and Eric Adams is saying people need to start thinking about bringing the migrants into their homes to settle them in your home because they're out of space. So they're gonna, they're, they'll live with you. You take care of them. You feed them. Send them to school. Teach them a trade. I mean, this is this is. No, I don't know if you can write this off your taxes. I mean, the expenses, is, I mean, you're going to be very expensive uh, to do this kind of stuff. But um, do you see do you see the circus like atmosphere that has now taken root in this country under the administration that is that is maladministrating the administration right now? Do you see how much more they like the chaos at the border than order in your communities? I didn't say border. I said order. So, so you've got these two that run the federal government, Vice President Harris and President, I could say Barack Obama, but it's Joe Biden. Um, and, and they're doing a standoff with the state of Texas. So here's my advice. Here is my best advice to Ken Paxton, who is the attorney generic in the state of Texas, attorney general in the state of Texas, um, and to the governor, Governor Abbott, you need to immediately impanel a grand jury and you need to investigate with an eye towards bringing charges against Alejandro Mayorkas for dereliction of duty for not securing the border. Not only is he going to get rung up in an impeachment at the federal level, you should prosecute him. And put him in jail. Put him on a 90-day hold. 
over in Latuna. That's the federal jail out in El Paso. Just just keep him on ice because he's not using ice because they don't want the border to be secured. I mean, this is this is lunacy. You actually have the federal government wanting to go and start a fight with the state of Texas. That's that's not a good call, man. That's a dangerous thing to do for everybody. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have a a big announcement. The debate is sold out. The debate is sold out. Um, As you know, we have a a debate coming up that is uh, that is going to be happening on the 31st of uh, January, Wednesday, the 31st of January. And um, it's going to be the North Carolina WBT, North Carolina, 8th Congressional District Republican primary debate. 7 p.m. at Wingate University at the Bat Center. But here's the thing. The tickets are all gone. It's all gone. And the debate's going to be moderated by Bo and Beth with questions to the candidates coming from the whole WBT team. Vince Coakley, Pete Callender, Brett Witterbull. I know him. uh, Mark Garrison and Brett Jensen. And we want to say thank you to our great uh, sponsor, Wingate University. Visit uh, WBT.com for details. But the debate is uh, sold out. So all the tickets... 500 seats, like in a flash. But don't worry about this. Don't worry about this. Because if you didn't get a ticket, you can still listen to it all right here on WBT. So there you go. I mean, this is a a big, big happening. And it shows the power of the ability of us to work together with you to get the great, important events happening uh, time and time again. So thank you very much for uh, for your patronage in uh, getting those tickets, and you are going to enjoy listening uh, just as much as, as we are, which is going to be really cool. So uh, more details to follow. Harvard is being sued by Jewish students over anti-Semitism. Harvard's anti-Semitism cancer, as a past Harvard president turned it, manifests itself in a double standard invidious to Jews. This is part of a legal filing that has taken place uh, against Harvard University. Harvard selectively enforces its policies to avoid protecting Jewish students from harassment, hires professors who support anti-Jewish violence, and spread anti-Semitic propaganda and ignores Jewish students' pleas for protection. Those professors in this, in this filing teach and advocate through a binary oppressor-oppressed lens through which Jews, one of the history's most persecuted peoples, are typically designated as an oppressor and therefore unworthy of support or sympathy. Harvard permits students and faculty to advocate without consequence the murder of Jews, the destruction of Israel, the only Jewish country in the world. Meanwhile, Harvard requires students to take a training class that warns that they will be disciplined if they engage in the following. Some of these you may not have heard of. Sizeism. Sizeism. Fat phobia. Racism, transphobia, or other disfavored behaviors. So this is going to be a massive, or as they would say at Harvard, It's going to be a massive, unbelievable 
can't skate backwards lawsuit. They're going to be writing checks for decades. They're going to be writing checks for decades. It's going to be unbelievable because these people are being oppressed and it's not right. It's not right. You know, I I walked around in Harvard Yard when I was in college and I got to tell you something. I didn't go there. I wouldn't go there. I had I had better choices in front of me than Harvard. But um, don't, don't laugh at me. It's true. I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun at Comedy College, and uh, that's called Emerson. So, so at any rate, um, you know, the thing is, it, it's, it's, it's a very impressive plant. It's a very impressive facility. It, it really is. But they have done something so despicable and disgusting in these last 96 days that, I mean, you, you have people who are running up on Jewish students and harassing them, hitting them. Uh, not letting them get into classrooms, uh, going around at night in the dorms. Uh, you know, these people are feeling very, very threatened. Um, this is not right. And I'm telling you, Bill Ackman is one of the people who is uh, supporting these lawsuits. I know more of them are coming. MIT is going to get hit. Um, uh, Penn is going to get hit. Columbia is going to get hit. The Ivies are all going to get whacked um, with, with these lawsuits. And this is a real problem because... You're either able to go to a university or a college, however you want to designate it, um, to get smarter, to be exposed to ideas that maybe you don't feel comfortable with, but that you can debate and discuss. But the entirety of the Claudine Gay uh, regime uh, has been to make these young people feel incredibly unsafe. And they did nothing wrong. They did nothing wrong. These, these young people who have been intimidated and threatened and harassed. And so now it's going to go to the courts. And we're going to see how this all gets, uh, gets, gets figured out. We're going to see how, how this, um, this is going to get handled in front of judges. And, and we're going to see if people are going to be held to account. You know, uh, the way you get the attention of huge institutions is you, you win massive lawsuits. And you make them pay. You make them actually pay the money uh, to the people who have been targeted and have been aggrieved. And that's, that's absolutely a horrible, horrible uh, reality uh, with these people um, that they have had to put up with this. And nobody, nobody's been lending their voices. Nobody's, you see all these protests. Uh, Christmas is canceled. These people that are blocking roadways. These people that are doing incredibly uh, dangerous uh, activities in a variety of locations around the country. These people have a right to be educated. These people have a right to spend time uh, and not be threatened in that regard. So um, that's hugely important. Coming up in this next hour, I believe we've got, is it Bo Thompson? I think it's Bo Thompson is going to be joining us. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but there's going to be a uh, Top Gun 3 coming out. Did you see this? Yes, they're, they're making a, a Top Gun 3 because of the success. They made a billion dollars on Top Gun 2. They're going to do Top Gun 3. And I know... I just want to say, because, you know, it's important to say this sort of stuff. This 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 couple of hours coming up here, it's going to be so good. No crumbs. No crumbs. We're going to suss it. No crumbs. It's going to be unbelievable.
1110 WBT. It is the Brett Witterbull Show. Great to be with you. Let's uh, check in with our good friend, Bo Thompson. For the final time this week, we're about to embark upon the weekend. Bo Thompson, welcome back. Hey, the last time I was talking to you, I was riding through the rain across the Charlotte area, and I'm here to tell you I'm doing the same thing uh-huh. on Friday. Can you give us uh, some reports on this rain that is uh, happening? Is it, is it, uh, does it compare to what happened uh, a couple of days ago? So far, it does not. I heard Garrison's report a bit earlier said so far it's a picnic, mm-hmm. and comparatively, he's right. Uh, I don't know if uh, what's coming else after this. I mean, I know it's going to be around for a little while, but uh, right now it's just uh, your standard 5 o'clock rain coming down. Be careful and be smart, but it's not uh, anything like the other day. Well, that's that's good news. And, uh, you know, people are being kept up to date, obviously, with Pam's uh, uh, alerts and reports and, and that sort of stuff uh, as well. Have you have you cemented any further thinking about this upcoming uh primary or i guess caucus that's going to be happening uh this coming week um do you think there'll be any surprises bo thompson the biggest surprise right now well not surprise but uh sort of question mark is the weather uh every time i look at a forecast and hear about a forecast Mm -hmm. it's further below zero you know and and uh, you're talking about uh, i saw uh, the phrase or the headline this afternoon you know life-threatening weather um I, i think that's going to be a story. I mean, we're not talking about, oh, it's freezing outside. We're talking about it's, it's uh, uh, unbelievably cold outside. And I think uh, when you talk about the format of a caucus and, you know, smaller numbers and the ability for voters, if they're there, or caucusers, I should say, to actually change their mind in the process, uh, you know how this works. I mean, it's a it's much smaller scale, um, and it's I think the weather is going to be a story, I, I, and the story would be who comes and who doesn't. And you know, I've seen interviews with with uh, uh, people on, on you know from a variety of different candidates who say, "Oh yes, I'll be there, come hell or high water." And I've seen people who say, "I'm staying home." So I think that's going to be something to absolutely watch on Monday. Now, clearly, I I, I would guess. Now, I, I don't want to be too presumptive. I would guess that the person who would be least hurt would be former President Trump because he has such an overriding, commanding lead right now. It's going to be a little bit more dangerous for a DeSantis or a Nikki Haley or even really a a Vivek Ramaswamy because they have a much smaller margin they can possibly lose by. But at the same time, if you're that far in the perceived lead, if the polls are right, Mm. then that would... That would give you more of an excuse to stay home, right? No, that's that's true. You're going to figure, well, they've got it covered. I'm good. I'm going to stay home. It's too cold. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. Uh, I can this. I can see what you're saying here, buddy. Um, two words: Gerard Mayo in New England. <laughs> um, you know, we're we're football fans. Um, are you are you surprised? Are you underwhelmed? What's your reaction to Gerard Mayo? Going to uh, well, he's not one of the big, huge names that was out there, uh, and all those names are still out there. Um, I thought they would go with Mike Vrabel, mm-hmm. and Vrabel is, you know, he's in the middle. I mean, he's a known name, uh, you know, big star, and has become a, a, a big coaching star since he left 
New England, but I, I felt that was sort of the writing was on the wall, and uh, so it won't be him. I mean, I think based on what I heard this afternoon, I don't know nearly as much about Mayo as I do about somebody like Vrabel, but it sounds like it's a pretty popular choice uh, within, you know, uh, greater New England. Uh, they, he seems to be very well liked. Uh, you know, he's he's also a, a homegrown patriot. Uh, so I don't think it's a bad decision. I also don't know much more about him or enough about him to really say much more than we'll wait and see <laughs> what he does. I mean, it may. I think a lot of us won't know how this is, what, what kind of choice this is until um, – you know, you see what he does next season, but right. on paper, it's not a, not the the big name choice. But I, I certainly think it it goes in line with uh, the Patriot way, so to speak. Is is the bigger shocker, Coach Kalen DeBoer going to uh, Alabama from Washington? Not necessarily. I mean, I you know, Dabo Sweeney's name was was floated out there. You know, Lane Kiffin's name's been out there. I mean, certainly, uh, DeBoer is the—he's the most recent. You know, he's the the guy who just played in the national championship, so he's not even the household name that some of these other guys are. Uh, I guess the more surprising thing to me in both these cases is how quickly the decision was made after we got the news about the, you know, the the predecessors leaving. Um, I, it, it suggests that uh, this has all been in the pipeline longer than any of us knew. Yeah, I think that's probably the case because neither of these programs, I think, wanted to have like a frenzy around them. They wanted to kind of right. lock it down early and, and, and start working on uh, what the future is. And, but and, hey, in the case of the Panthers, it means all these big names, not that I think that's correct. Them, but that all is those correct. big names are still on the board. You're right. <laughs> See, you're right about that. That's, that's the thing, right? You still, you've still got, a Bel- you got Belichick. You've theoretically maybe... You could possibly wrangle a Harbaugh or a uh, a Pete Carroll from spending all of his time up in up in uh, Seattle. I mean, there's you have a lot of potential there. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, like I said, I, I don't have a strong feeling right now. Maybe that maybe this changes when you hear about conversations, and I guess if they interview with us, then you'll start to hear maybe some leaks about how the interviews went. But right now, there's not much to make you uh, hopeful that one of the big names like like a Harbaugh or a Belichick or mm-hmm. even a Vrabel are coming here. But as long as they're out there, I mean, David Tepper's got the money. We know that. For sure. It's, it's convincing him that the situation is favorable enough along with that money. And you got a decent quarterback. you got a quarterback that, that's young enough and that can develop with the right, with the right hands. So... Um, Absolutely. And, and, and look, this, I think this is going to be a fascinating uh, run. So... Um, I, I, what do you have coming up on the Monday edition of uh, Good Morning BT? Well, uh, Monday and also, if you don't mind, Tuesday yes. and Thursday, yes. things already on the table. Monday, Mick Mulvaney will be in studio with us, awesome uh, as he always is, and uh, huge, huge week to talk about that we just finished, and uh, obviously it'll be the day of the Iowa caucuses, so uh, the latest on everything as far as that goes, but Tuesday... Uh, in the 8 o'clock hour, we're going to have Congressman Richard Hudson in studio for the whole hour. Oh, great. And then on Thursday, in the 9 o'clock hour, uh, Bill Graham, who, of course, is a good friend of our show. He was our longtime legal analyst, but he is not in that role right now because, mm-hmm. obviously, he's stepped out and he's running for governor on the GOP side. So this will be Bill's first live 
broadcast interview since he declared for governor a couple of months ago, and he will be in the studio from 9 to 10 on Thursday of next week to uh, talk about it all. So I'm excited. I mean, the Iowa caucus is starting on Monday in a huge political week, and, you know, this is what you and I live for, right? Uh, absolutely. And by the way, we, we sold out the, uh, the tickets for the debate. So we I are all that. I mean, this I is that. this is good, good, good news, man. People are are activated and that's what it's all about, my friend. Leave no crumbs. Leave no crumbs. Exactly right. <laughs> Enjoy the weekend, man. Appreciate you. <laughs> you too. Take care. You got a Bo Thompson. I'm Brett Witterbull. News Talk 1110 99.3 WBT. What do you do it for? Yeah, that's what I thought. 704-570-1110, News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. Good to be with you. All right, let's let's uh, let's jump into some of the other stuff that's happening out there in the crazy, wacky, crazy, mixed-up, loony world uh, that, that, is, uh, that is happening. Um, U.S. warns ships to stay out of parts of the Red Sea as the Houthis uh, are now vowing retaliation against the United States for us attacking them overnight. I just I just got to I just got to marvel at this. OK, I, I remember I remember distinctly the 1980s and I remember uh, American hostages being taken by Iranian organizations in Lebanon, getting getting bombed at the embassy in 83 TWA. Uh, the, the TWA flight 847, where they murdered Robert Steedham, a Navy diver, uh, during during a period of time because of Palestinian Islamic Jihad and, and all these organizations. Uh, I, I remember when Gaddafi threatened the American Navy off the coast of Libya and we flew in and we tubed a number of his people, including his daughter. There was a time where we were showing strength, and now we're getting pushed around by pirates. And just so you know how to spell that, that's P-I-E hyphen R-A-T-S. You're getting pushed around by pirates now. Pirates. Pirates control this area. And they're, 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 they're stopping international sh- shipping? How do you do that? How do you do that? How, do, how does this happen? I'm going to tell you how this happens. I'll tell you how this happens. Your president, that president you voted for, that president that you supported, one of his first orders of business was to tell to tell the Houthis that they were no longer on the terrorism list. They are terrorists. But the Houthis were taken off the terror list by Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., The administration of Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. also told the Saudis to cut a deal with the Houthis so that the Houthis could have a homeland. And now they took their homeland and took their Iranian paymasters and they're 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 shooting at international shipping. Do 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 I do I want to see anybody go to war? Of course not. Do I want to see anybody go to war in that part of the neighborhood? No, absolutely not. But 
Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. on his first order of business decided we're going to electrify everything and we're not going to drill for oil and we're not going to develop the Keystone XL pipeline. We're not going to do any of that stuff. And then Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., who's running for re-election, is also responsible for opening the border wide open. So that now we probably have Hamas and we probably have the Hezbos and we probably have uh, Al-Qaeda and ISIS, etc. All running around, man, frolicking in the desert. I mean, I just, I just, all I would want to ask the, the current sitting president of the United States is, why, why, why do you tinker with things that you shouldn't touch? In many ways, it's like watching somebody who is completely unprepared and incompetent as it relates to, say, the electrical panel in your house. You know the electrical panel in your house, and 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 they look at it and they go, "Oh, what is what does this breaker do? Click, 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 click. Oh, what does that do? Oh, oh, I guess that went off, didn't it? Okay, hold on, let's try to put that one back. Oh no, wait, maybe I want to move this one. Click, click, click. This is." Tinkering. You have a tinkering administration. They're, they're, they're loaded to the gills. You know why? Because they're, they don't have any kind of a strategic vision for the world. They just want to be a bunch of firsts. First person to do this. First person to do that. First person to run this. First person to run that. First person to pull people out of Afghanistan in a completely psycho way. First, uh, first opportunity to get out there and give the Iranians $6 billion for hostages. I mean, like, if you really think about this, folks, this is a tinkerer's dream. This administration, because you are not going to be held accountable by anybody in the media. Okay, maybe, maybe you'll get a, 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 a kind of a, a grimace from Sean Hannity on the Fox News channel. Okay, but... The mainstream press, ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS, Telemundo, Cinemax, After Dark, whatever it is, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, MSNBC, NBC, uh, they're not going to say anything. They're just going to be like, oh, this is brilliant. And every time things go bad in that neighborhood, which is a very rough neighborhood that we probably shouldn't be in, to be honest with you. We should have our own energy supplies and our own energy developed and our own opportunities here. And, and every time we, we watch these guys do this, you know what the outcome is? It's the same outcome. It's the same outcome every time. It's embarrassment. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Aren't you embarrassed about the way they comport themselves at 1600? They didn't know where the Secretary of Defense was. They didn't know where the Secretary of Defense was. Why? How? We have these incredible banks here in, in Charlotte. These incredible banks. You, you, think, you think Wells Fargo, you think the CEO at Wells Fargo doesn't know where his vice president of acquisitions is? You, you, think, you, you, think, you think Bank of America, the CEO of the Bank of America, doesn't know... Where, where his controller is, you, you, you think that he can't pick up the phone and find anybody he needs to talk to? Heck, heck, I, you want to know what's something that's interesting? The CEO of Bank of America could probably get Biden on the phone, but Biden can't get Lloyd Austin on the phone. How's about that? Are you kidding me?
News Talk 1110-993 WBT. It is the Brett Witterbull Show. Good to be with you as we uh, continue to uh, take the survey of what it is that's happening out there in the world today. A lot of stuff uh, going on. A lot of stuff going on. Liberal foundations poured tens of millions of dollars into influential environmental organization tied to who? Xi Jinping. Xi Jinping. How about that? Xi Jinping is getting money. Uh, is is getting tens of millions of dollars because they're just so incredibly green. They're calling him Xi Jinping. Green Jinping. Major U.S. liberal charitable organizations and foundations have donated millions of dollars to Energy Foundation China, EFC. A San Francisco-based environmental nonprofit with deep ties to the Chinese government. U.S.-based liberal charities such as the Hewlett Foundation and nonprofits managed by left-wing dark money consultancy Arabella Advisors have poured over $100 million into the CHICOM organizations since 2020. EFC has close ties to the Chinese state. At least nine members of the organization's leadership and senior staff have previously held positions in China's government, with one described in a Xinhua University press release as an outstanding Chinese Communist Party member. Hey, guess who won for the month? This is our outstanding Chinese Communist Party member. What did he do to deserve it? What did they do to deserve it? We get our pronouns proper. And let me tell you, they re-educated 2,000 people, relocated 5,000 Uyghurs, and, for good measure, sent over a spy balloon. No, I'm making that up. But that's the kind of thing you would get if you wanted to be commie of the month. Like, commie of the month is like, that's a very prestigious thing if you're living in a communist hellhole. This... Is our new commie of the month. How did they obtain the commie of the month designation? No escapes from the gulag for 20 consecutive days. I mean, that's, this, is, this is what they do. They're like just celebrating communists. So, of course, what do you do? You get these liberal groups and they send a whole bunch of money over to the communist organizations. EFC funds several of the U.S.-based organizations that have played a role in influencing the Biden administration's climate agenda. America groups, American groups funded by EFC have, among other things, opposed the development of new oil drilling. Sure they did. Because, I mean, of course... Liberal foundations have poured millions into EFC over the last four years, specifically for climate and energy programs in China. Do you see how dumb we are as a country? This is our greatest adversary. We are funding them with cash. You think they're really building like solar panels? You think they're really building like hydrogen this or, 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 or that? They're taking the money and using it, probably sending it to Iran so they can get weapons for Hamas. You think they actually have to fill out the paperwork? Hey, yeah, hi, uh, Mr. Xi, Bing, Xi Jinping, can you send us the list of how you spent the money? Uh, no. If John Kerry doesn't have to say how he spent the money, we don't have to tell you how we spent the money. Come on now. What do you think? We just parachuted in? 
No, we crossed the border. We don't parachute it anymore. We just cross the border, walk right across, wave at, uh, wave at Texas. Liberal foundations have poured millions into the EFC over the last four years. EFC had been a program under the Energy Foundation before breaking off and becoming an independent legal entity in 2019. Prior to the 2019 grants from charitable foundations to EFC were made out to the Energy Foundation and earmarked for EFC. The Packard Foundation, Hewlett Foundation, MacArthur Foundation, all major players in American environmental activism were some of the largest donors representing Almost 40% of the $217 million the group raised between 2020 and 2022. So, so we're trying to find out where the COVID came from. And we're handing out environmental dollars to China during the lockdowns. You think they used anything on energy? They didn't use jack on energy. They took that money and, 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 and spent it to help advance the Communist Party. My gosh. It's so sad because you sit here and you go, wow, you guys must be new. You must not understand how commies roll. See, one of the great problems of communism kind of collapsing uh, at the end of the Cold War, like in 1991, 1992, you know, one of the the real problems with that was you now have nothing to point to as like the example why you would never want to be a commie. Yeah, North Korea, sure, but they've got nuclear missiles. Like they actually seem like they're kind of happening. Cuba, nobody cares anymore. You know why? Because Cuba is now getting funded by the Chicoms, and they've got an, an actual naval base 90 miles from the United States of America. So Cuba's kind of happening now. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Did you say, who did you say? What was that? Oh, oh, Venezuela? Yeah, China has like totally taken over Venezuela. I mean, they got all kinds of stuff going on down there. They got Iranian boats. They got they got Chinese boats. I mean, this is this is unbelievable. We needed to keep like a really bad communist regime in power so we could always point to them and be like, they're the example. Don't be like them. You don't want to be like them. You know what happened? Catastrophic success. The system worked. When the system failed. And we didn't need that system to work because we don't need to shovel out money to the CCCCP. You know. No, I didn't say PCP. I said shovel money to the CCCCP. Now, I don't want to cause any alarm here, but we lost a billion dollars in Ukraine military aid. No, no, I, I know you're mad. Listen, hold on. We can get through this, right? I, I know you're mad. It's a billion dollars of military equipment that just kind of evaporated. Uh, you know, look, you want an omelet. You got to break a few eggs, right? Over $1 billion in Ukraine military aid was poorly tracked, creating concerns over the risk of theft. No. Who would steal military stuff when it's so readily available in Afghanistan? U.S. and European government officials have poorly tracked military aid for Ukraine worth more than a billion dollars, creating concerns that the weapons have been stolen, according to a Defense Department report released on Thursday. Well, 
while Lloyd Austin was out cold amid contested efforts by American lawmakers to provide additional funding for Ukraine's war against Russia. Just over a billion dollars of the estimated $1.69 billion. Okay, look, so they lost a billion, but they still had $690 billion or, or $69 billion left, right? I mean, here we go. Worth of weapons sent to Ukraine are considered delinquent. That's a perfect phrase for the administration. It's a delinquent administration. You have a bunch of delinquents, which was likely caused by, are you ready? This is great. This is outstanding. Caused by an inability to maintain complete accountability. That sounds like a rap lyric. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I like, for real, you could give me a beat and I could probably rap this. I could probably be like... 1.6 billion worth of weapons sent to Ukraine considered delinquent, which was likely caused by an inability to maintain complete accountability of the inventory in the government databases. We're not able to count it because we have strange faces looking at us with the weapons about Failure track the weapons may increase the risk of theft or diversion. The report noted future efforts to track shipments to Ukraine will be a pain and will cause pain and nobody will be held to account. Sasha Baker, the Undersecretary of Defense for WHOA. No, Defense for Policy. All right, Sasha Baker, the Undersecretary of Defense for Policy, argued, argued in a response to the draft of the report that required accounting procedures are not practical in a dynamic and hostile wartime environment. That person needs to go, not even a trial. She just needs to go to jail for saying that. Who says that in the federal government? Who said, honestly, hold on. You guys, you guys have all had jobs. You guys have all had to do things. You've had to be accountable for stuff. You've played sports, whatever it is. If you said, what, what do you think? What, what is Belichick going to say? What is Nick Saban going to say when he's like, when Nick Saban goes, well, how come you guys lost the game? And you go back and you go, you go, well, it, the plays are not practical in a dynamic and hostile environment. Didn't you hear? Didn't you hear Michigan screaming at us? Didn't you hear the loud crowd? Come on. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, so here's what happened. 39,139, George. That's how many weapons were sent to the Ukraine by the U.S., according to an unredacted version of the report obtained by the New York Times. The U.S. sent just over $44.2 in military aid to Ukraine since Russia launched the invasion. And, and we're missing, like, all this stuff. We don't know where it is. We don't know, like, where it went. How did it go? What happened? Joe Biden, meanwhile, wants, like, billions and billions more dollars. You know what you should just do? You should just take, like, a C-5A... Or one of those, like, one of those star crafters, whatever those things are called. C-17. Load it up with weapons and just fly 
just fly over the Russian lines, just kicking weapons out of the back of the thing because they're all obviously stolen. They're obviously selling it to the to the Russians or to Hamasers or to these other people. This is insane and crazy. And nobody cares. Nobody cares. It's like this isn't even the system failing. This is the system working. The system working is theft, graft, grift, all of it, all of it. But don't tell me, don't tell me for a minute that John Kerry's got to show you where the $4.3 million went. We'll throw away $1.69 billion in weapons. $4.3 million? We're not telling you where that money's going. You don't need to know where that money's going. No, no, I need to know. I need to know. Tom Petty said it best. I need to know. I need to know. What am I going to do? It's just, this is like, you know what this is, right? You understand like what this, what this really is? This is a purposeful attempt to exhaust the American people so that we don't want to look into these things anymore. And that's, that's, that's what it is. I mean, the greatest quote of all time, the all-time greatest quote of any quote I have ever heard in my entire life was, you can't keep a track of your weapons in a hostile environment. That's every war zone. That's like every war zone's a hostile environment. Well, what happened? Where'd, where'd the helicopters go? Oh, man. I turned around for two minutes. I went in to get a, a pita sandwich, and the helicopters are gone. Are you, are you kidding me? I didn't even hear them go. How'd they take them? Why are those helicopters on those trucks that they're driving into Russia? 704-570-1110. I mean, I'm just, this is really... Uh, this is, this is bad. And you know what's really sad about this? The worst part of this entire story, the worst part of this entire story is the fact that nobody feels embarrassment. Nobody feels embarrassment. So when you're working your job, your third job, your second job, and, and, and you're trying to stash away money for your retirement or for your kid's college fund or any of that sort of stuff, these people, these people, they just, they just you know what it away. It's just... Pfft. Talk about Peter Kaka. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Brett Witterbull Show. Hour number four now underway. 704-570-1110. Great to be with you as we... Uh, traverse the different stories that are out there moving around a lot of stuff to uh, to consider and uh as we get ready for this uh upcoming election season that begins in earnest on monday with the uh with the beginning of the uh caucuses and then into the primaries and we'll see how long and who it is that's going to end up advancing uh likely to try to challenge donald trump uh, i think the numbers you know tell tell the story that you are going to end up seeing a matchup between Joe Biden and uh, Donald Trump. But we'll see how the other uh, folks who are out there running uh, will perform. Uh, Homeowners Association reforms remain a priority for a bipartisan group of North Carolina lawmakers. Now, this is a story that I think is uh, is very interesting because uh, I, I have lived in communities that have homeowners associations and I've I've seen good stuff and I've seen very annoying stuff. Um North Carolina Attorney General Josh Stein, a Democrat who's running for governor in 2024, is supporting efforts by the Republican-led state legislature to to enact stricter rules on homeowner associations, which is a push 
that industry opposes. A bipartisan group of North Carolina lawmakers plans to push forward with efforts to pass stricter laws regulating homeowners associations. Even as pro-HOA lobbying defeated one such bill back in 2023, homeowners from across North Carolina came to the legislature yesterday to speak in support of changes during a meeting of the House Select Committee on Homeowners Associations. So when you when you look at this stuff, there were a couple of different things that were that were creating drama uh, for folks. You know, the idea of people's homes being seized over unpaid fines or uncut grass or similarly minor minor issues like that, I, I think, is abusive. But but, you know, some changes had to come into effect here. Uh, Yalu, real estate lawyer and former uh, Cary councilwoman, has made HOA reform a priority in her single term at the legislature. She filed a bill last year that would have stopped HOAs from seizing people's houses over unpaid fines for uncut grass or similarly minor issues. It passed the House unanimously and after multiple revisions, such as removing the entire original idea on foreclosure protections. A different version of the bill also passed the Senate again by unanimous vote. In the end, neither version became law as the House and the Senate leadership failed to agree on a compromise. You know, look, I understand the importance of having a homeowners association. And if you choose to live in a place that's got a homeowners association, you know, that's a choice you've voluntarily made. There's plenty of places that are, you know, not under an incorporation like that or anything where you can you can just do whatever it is you want to do. You can live out there in the woods, you paint your house, paint your house, whatever color you want, do whatever you want. I mean, that's that's freedom, baby. That's that's what you have. But when you when you sign up with these communities, because they have the amenities that you want. Maybe they got a swimming pool. Maybe they got a clubhouse. Maybe they got golf. Maybe they've got uh, playgrounds for the kids. You, you're going to have to abide by the rules. I have found through my through my lifetime of experience, the challenges are typically either with people who are on the very young spectrum side or on the older spectrum side, because. You know, HOAs will ring you up for a lot of reasons. Hey, you left toys in your front yard for three days. Hey, you didn't cut the grass. Hey, you, you, you parked your car on the lawn. You, uh, hey, you, you no longer have a lawn. You've decided to make a cement uh, front lawn for you, and you've painted it green, and you didn't get the approval. So we're coming in there to dynamite it tonight. No, I'm kidding. But it's, you know what I'm saying. They're going to be jackhammering you, uh, you know, 6 a.m., get that thing up. And then they're going to send you a bill for all the jackhammering that you had to do. Um, th the point is, like, you're going in. You kind of know what the deal is. They give you the, the book and you got to read through it and you got to pay your fees and you got to do all that stuff. But. There are circumstances where life happens. The husband dies or the wife dies and the other person's not able to really keep up with the house and they're getting hit with fines. And now you're going to go for like foreclosing on uncut grass or foreclosing on like an unpaid fine. Like, that's evil like that. You're going to throw somebody into the street. And then what are you going to do? You're going to call your cousin and say, hey, I got a great house that's coming on the market. Why don't you come in here and buy it cheapo cheapo and uh, we're going to take care of you. I mean, the, the, I've seen this. I, I, I have seen this take place in, in different places. But I'm telling you, one of the other things is the kids. And I had kids. My kids are older now. 
but we 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 would run we would run in a foul of the HOA rules in, in communities that we lived in when we had younger kids. You can't drive, you can't ride your bicycle uh, in, in this area. You can't ride your bicycle on the sidewalk. You can't, hey, the kid's like four and I'm walking with him. Like, who cares? You know, he's not doing a burnout with, with a bunch of tweakers at four o'clock in the morning. I mean, it's just a kid, he's just kind of walking around. What do, what do you want? What do you want from him? People are, you know, empathy goes a long way. I said this a couple of days ago and I got in the jackpot for talking about empathy with, with Lloyd Austin. But empathy goes a long way. Try to put yourself in people's shoes. You do have a lot of people who, who crave the power. They crave the power in politics. They crave the power at the HOA. They crave the power at the, the, the golf club you belong to or the country club. And they decide they're better than you because, you know, this, this and that. And that's, that's, not, that's not really the way it ought to be. Because if, if you're a member of a community, then you're a member of a community. And, and they shouldn't be able to just come in here and start, start pounding you because they disagree or whatever it is. And that's, that's, that's a challenge. Again, I believe one of, my, one of my resolutions, unofficial, I don't really make resolutions, but is to really try to understand the perspective of the other person. Most of the time, you're 100% wrong. But I'll... Keep perspective and how it is you're going to be making the argument. You know, I mean, it's really, it's that simple. It's that simple. News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. It is the Brett Woodrubble Show, 704-570-1110. Be careful out there driving around. You know, we certainly want you to be safe and uh, everything's got to be totally cool and copacetic all the way around. Uh, taking a look at some of the other uh, uh, news that that is happening uh, out there as well. We were talking about Hamas and we were talking about the Houthis. By the way, Houthis is spelled H-O-U-T-H-I-S. Um, I, I saw earlier today, it was actually my own doing because I was dictating something. Uh, it was it was posted up on, on my sheet as Who's These? <laughs> and I was like, well, that's kind of cool. It's, who's These? Who's These? Um, so these uh, organizations that are out there running around creating mischief, danger, killing, et cetera, et cetera, uh, are, are not are, are no joke. So there's a piece that ran uh, over in The Washington Post seeking cash. Hamas turns to allies experienced in financial jihad. This is an actual thing that exists. Gaza crisis spurs massive Online giving. Some of it is led by networks accused of aiding Al Qaeda and other terrorist groups. Three days after the October 7th attack, one of Hamas's top political leaders put out a call for for a new front in the group's conflict with Israel, a fight to be waged not with bullets, but dollars. This is financial jihad, said Khaled Mashal, the group's former political chief declared in a speech disseminated over so, uh, social media. He urged supporters worldwide to give aid, money, and all that you have, adding, don't let your brothers down. Within days, a torrent of cash began pouring into accounts set up to help Gazans, much of it from people moved by images of victims of Israeli airstrikes and genuinely wanting to help, but also answering the call were groups with years of experience in delivering precisely the kind of jihad Hamas's leader envisioned. Across the Middle East and Europe, the Gaza conflict re-energized old fundraising networks with ties to militant Islamist groups and other causes. 
So in the past, you could raise money from Al-Qaeda and the Taliban and Hamas and their military wing and all that sort of stuff. Now, these groups helped raise millions of dollars practically overnight using crowdfunding campaigns on social media that were built around photos and videos depicting the suffering of Gaza. Some of the money was ultimately deposited in Hamas-controlled accounts using a range of methods, including cryptocurrency and informal cash transfer networks used in the Middle Eastern countries for centuries. Among those backing Hamas's crowdfunding campaigns, officials said, are groups such as Kuwait's Revival of Islamic Heritage Society, which had been accused by both the United States and the United Nations of raising money for al-Qaeda, as well as Europe-based charities with ties to the Union of Good, an umbrella organization that U.S. officials say was created by Hamas leaders and supporters to facilitate the transfer of money to the group. Both groups have denied supporting or advocating terrorism. Hamas's founding charter calls for the destruction of Israel, and the group is regarded as a terrorist group by the U.S. and the European Union. But they've activated all of these different pathways where they can raise money. And they're, they're utilizing the suffering of Gazans for money raising. Hamas has been compelled to rely increasingly on crowdfunding efforts with substantial assistance from allies and longtime supporters of Islamist causes current and former U.S. officials said. One example is a Kuwait-based initiative that was launched on October 9th, two days after the terrorist attack, as well as before Israel's ground offensive began. A crowdfunding operation that calls itself the Mobilization for Palestine Campaign appeared online soliciting donations affected by families uh, by affected families in Gaza. It offered donors multiple options, including payment by Apple Pay, Visa and MasterCard. That campaign raised eight point three million dollars in contributions in just the first three days, according to to a review by uh, Caron, which is a Los Angeles-based private intelligence company. So there's a lot of uh, activism going on out there, and there's a lot of money sloshing around, and it's not in the conventional sort of ways. This is not like, hey, pass the hat, and let's meet up at the back of a bar, and let's talk about what it is that, that we can do uh, to, uh, to, to set this up. This is a whole other deal. This is a much more sophisticated deal that, that we are looking at right now uh, in terms of how it is this is going to this is going to play out. Now, as dangerous as the world is today, get a load of this uh, little bit of information that came out uh, today. The Boston City Council rejected a 13 million dollar grant from the Department of Homeland Security. The City Council rejected an anti-terrorism grant from the Federal Department of Homeland Security when it deadlocked 6-6 on accepting the grant. It was the latest in a series of council votes in recent weeks on grants that had connection to the Boston Police Department and their controversial Boston Regional Information Center, which is a fusion center, which is where you share intelligence. So you still have, with a wide open border and people coming all across the border and you don't know who they are, you still have a a situation where you have people who are going to be 
less than thrilled with law enforcement. Stan, welcome to the program, Stan. How are you doing today, Brett? I'm well, thanks. I have something I want to go over with you and get your thoughts. Um, <clears throat> there was a, uh, a guy named Raikland. He is a uh, colonel in the Army in the military, and he's also a constitutional lawyer. He is, uh, he's gotten 230 signatures from the military on, on a document where they're going to try to file suit against the military. And as it turns out, the, mil- the vaccine mandate that was signed by Lloyd Austin uh-huh. signed the day after the um, uh, FDA approval for the uh, COVID-19 vaccine. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the version that was made available to the military. It was an experimental version. Mm-hmm. And they're supposed to get informed consent. And they'll tell you that it's emergency use and it only can be voluntary. Can be, can be voluntary. Mm-hmm. There is a process where you're, for the president can sign a waiver. That was not done. And we now know there's people in the military who have had issues from the, the vaccine that they received. Yeah. And they've gotten 230 signatures to get this to go forward to a, to a, to a, into a legal matter. Um, and basically, all the people in the military who were forced to take this vaccine were forced to take something that the time that the, the government knew was illegal when it forced it on them. Yeah, look, they, they, they stampeded a lot of people. They stomped on a lot of people when it came to uh, ready, ready, fire, aim. You know, and uh, this is this is a real problem. I, I certainly will keep an eye on it. Uh, I appreciate the tip off there, uh, Stan. Thank you very much. Thank you, Brett. Have a good weekend. Hey, you got it as well. Absolutely. Uh, Okay, see, I'm not, I don't know if people know this or not. I hate to have to keep saying this, but I am uh, space phobic. I don't want to do anything in outer space. I don't like outer space. I don't want anything about it. We were talking about yesterday about the, the terrible smells in outer space, right? That's like a huge thing for me. I don't, I don't like that. And now I don't like what's going on in Kentucky. No, Kentucky is not in outer space, and don't say that they make you think of outer space, okay? Kentucky's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful place with beautiful people. Kentucky scientists are beaming a message to a star system 40 light years away. They're inviting the space aliens, if they're there, to come and visit Kentucky with the sales pitch, We Have Bourbon. A Kentucky city has drummed up a unique way to boost tourism in the bluegrass state, blasting an invitation to aliens living in a star system 40 light years away. Scientists in Lexington, along with clever advertising terms, sent a coded infrared laser message to TRAPPIST-1, a star with at least seven exoplanets believed to be potentially hospitable to life. 235 trillion miles from Lexington and Earth, the message will not reach its destination for 38 years. <laughs> what are we setting up our future people for? What if they don't have bourbon at that point? These are going to be some angry aliens. That's all I'm telling you. News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT, Brett Witterbull Show, 704-570-1110. So uh, President Biden uh, received a rude welcome from swing state voters who mercil- mercil- mercilessly, let me try that again, who mercilessly, 
heckled him during a field trip on Friday to Pennsylvania. Biden receives rude welcome while visiting the swing state. The 81-year-old commander-in-chief was met with shouts of, Go home, Joe. You're a loser. By residents of Allentown area house as he walked into a bicycle store, according to a pool report. Hours later, protesters opposed to Biden and his support for the Israeli offensive against Hamas terrorists in the Gaza Strip vowed that he would pay a price at the ballot box in November. We will remember in November where the, the chance coming from near a firefighter training center, also adding no vote for genocide Joe. The president made the trip without delivering prepared remarks ahead of, anybody want to guess, a getaway to Camp David in Maryland. But the people were cranky. People were, you got to be kidding me. This is, this, is, this is unbelievable. People were holding up massive Trump, Trump pictures. Massive Trump pictures uh, right, right here. Here's, here's, here's here. The thing is huge. It's like a billboard. Uh, I don't even know how you're holding that. For, I don't understand. And, and I'm, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be an equal opportunity offender here. Okay. I don't understand why. And it's a serious question. Why the, the president keeps going to Maryland, Delaware, and Pennsylvania. I, I don't understand it. Like, why wouldn't you go all the way cross country and go to L.A., go to California, uh, go to Seattle, go to Oregon, go to the places where you're going to get warm welcomes, go to Chicago, where you're going to get a warm welcome, um, go to New York City, where you're going to get a warm welcome. But instead, he goes to these places and he's got this thing where he's going to go to Pennsylvania, go to Pittsburgh, go to Titletown, uh, go, go over there. Go get a Pramani uh, Brothers uh, sandwich. I don't even know if they're still in business. But nevertheless, go to these places that are like your territory, that people like you. Do you? I mean, he's married to Jill Biden, who is effectively a Pennsylvanian. I believe she's a Pennsylvanian. She's an Eagles fan. Does he not see the Eagles fans? Does he not see how the Eagles fans are? I mean, are you kidding me? Did you see what Dom did when he was trying to rough up the 49ers? And then what happened? Then it crashed and burned. That was the that was the end of the Eagles for all intents and purposes. Was when Dom grabbed the uh, 49ers and they threw him out of the game. But I mean, that is that. It, honestly, I'm being serious with you here. This is a very aggressive place to go and to give a speech or to just walk around. Like if you gave a speech, you could control the environment. You can have like dig, dignitaries there um, on a beautiful. January 12th day in Pennsylvania, eastern Pennsylvania, a beautiful, cold afternoon, people sitting in the seats. No, what happened? It's cold. It's, it's, it's nasty. Um, you've got people blocking roads so he can take a walk out of a bicycle shop. Like, this is the problem. The fundamental problem with a lot of politicians is, like, they just go, hey, we're just going to go to Maine. Why? How come you're going to in- inconvenience a whole lot of people uh, when presidents come into town? Forget it. I mean, I'm really I- I'm-, I'm really surprised in all seriousness 
that Vice President Harris came here and Biden didn't come here because he could have come and met up with Roy Cooper. He could have talked to Josh Stein. It'd be a friendly environment for him. Why are you going? To, he, he goes to Pennsylvania like like you, you, you go to pump gas. I mean, it's just like constantly in Pennsylvania. There are, there's a lot of other states that I think you should be looking at. Speaking of which, fossilized samples predating the dinosaurs represents the oldest epidermis ever found. For real. 300 million years old, this skin is. The skin is 300 million years old. N- no, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to repeat what you just said. I'm not going to repeat what you, you just said something. I don't. Nancy Pelosi's not that old. Stop that. Um, it looks a lot like crocodile skin with pebble-like texture. Someone might desire for a purse, not me. But for the small sample size, you'd never guess that this piece of skin is 289 million years old. About the same age as a senator. Whoa, very good. Very good. Very good. Well played, my friend. Uh, 289 million years old, dating to the late Paleozoic era when that senator graduated. When many species of senator were just beginning to venture from water to land, it's extremely rare to find a fossilized dinosaur skin. It's even rarer to find fossilized skin from reptiles predating dinosaurs. So it's like the slea stacks from Land of the Lost, I think, which emerged from a cave in Oklahoma. Who went in the cave in Oklahoma? And then said, well, that looks like 800 million year old fossilized something, something like somebody just walking in the cave and they're like, hey, you know what that is? Well, you know, there's not a lot to do in Oklahoma. Well, uh, you know, true. Perhaps. I don't know. Uh, The oldest fossilized skin on record is 21 million years older than mummified animal skin found at sites in Russia and South Africa. This is like unbelievable. So here's what we're to believe, and, and I want to I want to be I want to be clear, I want to be clear. We can go in a cave, we can find 189 million year old fossilized skin. We can't track the weapons in Ukraine. Are you kidding me? The weapons in Ukraine disappeared. We can't find modern weapons in Ukraine, but we can find a hunk of something, some 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 thing in a cave in Oklahoma. Maybe two caves over is where the Ukraine stuff is. Who knows? It is the Brett Witterbull Show. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Great to be with you as we uh, hurtle towards... The weekend itself. I, for some of you, the weekend's already here. For others of us, we're still we're still uh, working and, and enjoying our time uh, together uh, behind the microphone and in the studio for sure, for sure. Uh, as you look at the uh, the stories that are out there, one thing that just keeps jumping up here is this story about the grounding of these aircraft and the uh, you factor in the cancellations that pile up in these winter storms. And the 737 MAX 9 grounding disruption. 
you really have got to be flexible when it comes to traveling. I mean, we're lucky this was not occurring during Christmas week, during New Year's, during Thanksgiving. Airlines canceled about 2,000 U.S. flights on Friday as severe winter weather and the grounding of the Boeing 737 MAX 9 disrupted travel. Storms in the Midwest helped to drive more than 4,500 nationwide delays and disruptions at major hubs in Chicago and Detroit. Alaska Airlines announced Friday that they're going to cancel all flights on the MAX 9 through Sunday. Airlines are uh, stressed more than, I think, pretty much ever. 40% of the flights at O'Hare in Chicago, a hub for United and American, were canceled after a snowstorm led to an over two-hour ground stop. Detroit Metropolitan Wayne County Airport, a hub for Delta, had 20% of its flights uh, chopped. Southwest, which is a big operation in Chicago Midway, canceled more than 400 flights. 900 were delayed. I mean, what what's getting through? Like, I just wonder. It's like it's literally it's it's a it's a crapshoot to figure out. Okay, so how am I going to get out of here? Where am I going to go? Last week, the Federal Aviation Administration grounded the Boeing 737 MAX 9s after a door plug blew off an Alaska Airlines flight. So the jets are now undergoing inspections. That grounding has continued to disrupt travel for both the U.S. and Alaska Airlines. About 20% of the car- uh, carrier's flights were canceled Friday and more than 10% were delayed. But see, we don't have, you don't have slack in the, uh, in the air travel system. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely at its max. And what happens is you say, well, okay, uh, put me on the next flight. Well, there is no, I mean, the next flight's been canceled, too. Well, put me on the other next. Th- that flight's been canceled as well. That flight's been canceled, too. And then you say, oh, okay, well, maybe, I'll tell you what, I'm going to go back home. So I'm going to do. I'm going to go back home, and I'm going to fly out uh, a week from today. Well, those seats are booked. I mean, there's not a lot of slack um, in the system. And I'm telling you, like, when you, when you fly internationally now, um, they're 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 jam packed. They are absolutely full, and and then you got to clear customs and do all that sort of stuff, which is like okay. I I think the Anglo Saxons had it better in like the sixth century, because like you think about think about what they had. They rode horses or they walked. Um, there were no car crashes, no horse crash. Like you ever hear about a, a horse crash? No horse crashes. Horses don't run into each other. Cars do, because people aren't paying attention. Well, archaeologists have now announced a discovery of Anglo-Saxon cemetery bodies and treasures that date back 1,500 years. No, I don't know that the president was playing football then. Stop that. Uh, Archaeologists in the United Kingdom have announced a major historical discovery. See, I always love this kind of stuff. That's why I'm never going to go to space. I'd I'd rather do Indiana Jones archaeology than go to space. Space is just a... A place, it's the attic. It's where people throw you throw the Christmas, the old Christmas tree up there and the toys that you don't want anymore. Space is the attic. Okay, that's that's what this is. This is the action because these bodies go back to the sixth century. So that's the 500s. That's the 500s. 
That's Attila the Hun walking around. Like, that's pretty unbelievable. Uh, they found the buried remains of over 20 people alongside a range of grave goods, including knives, jewelry, and pottery vessels. Scientists working on the National Grids Viking Link Project, construction of the world's largest land and subsea interconnector. So what's going to happen is they're going to have a, 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 a run from the UK to Denmark. They're going like under the seabed and all this stuff. Okay. So they're working all this stuff. They're looking at all this stuff. They dug up 50 archaeological sites along the onshore cable route since 2020. So they're finding all kinds of stuff that's there. All that stuff that's out there. Um, one of the most notable discoveries was the burial of a teenage girl and a child, both of whom were laying on their sides with the child tucked in behind the older girl. Two small gold pendants set with garnets and a delicate silver pendant with an amber mount were recovered from around the teenager's head or chest together with two small glass beads and an annular brooch, according to the archaeology uh, folks that are looking at this stuff. Like, this is, this is incredible, right? You think about this. And here's the thing. When these people were being buried, they, they, I mean, not these people, but the families of these people who buried these people, they had to have the expectation that they were going to remain buried. And then what do we do? We go driving around. We go find an area. We dig a whole bunch of people up. And then what do we do? We, we, we go, oh, swords and sticks and axes and Viking helmets and, you know, all, all that sort of stuff. Well, like, are we looting it? Is that like looting? Is that like going in there and saying, or is it saying, well, you know, it's history. They've been dead for 1,500 years. We're going to dig them up. Then where do you put them? Like, then where are you putting them? I mean, are, are you going to just like put them underneath the thing with, with, when they put the, the, the seawall or whatever it is? That's, what's, that's what the real challenge is here. Because, like, when you think about going into pyramids in Egypt, all right, you know about Tutankhamun's curse. You know, there was a curse of Tutankhamun. Do you know what the curse of Tutankhamun was? Does anybody know what that is? You know what it is? The curse of Tutankhamun was they didn't ventilate the chamber long enough before they went in. And so the curse of Tutankhamun was 3,000-year-old uh, spores and bacteria that was hanging in that room for 3,000 years. And so when you walked in, you went, hey, this is pretty <gasps> great, great, I gotta go. And then you go, it's a curse. No, it's, it's a tomb. That, and the stuff continues to live in there and you breathe the spores. That's what happened. That, that is really uh, what, what happened with the curse of Tutankhamun. That's, that's, that's a true story. Is that the curse of Congress as well? Um, well, you know, I'll tell you what. It's very possible. It's very possible. You know, uh, Ramses, uh, you know, Ramses II is, is the great builder of ancient Egypt. And I saw a photograph of him because what they do, they unwrapped him. And they sh you show his face. It's very, it's weird to think that it's like he, he's from like the 2300 B.C. era. I mean, that is, that's like, he's literally... He's like, look at all this cool stuff I'm building, and look at those dinosaurs running in my yard. No, that's not really true. There were no dinosaurs running in the yard. There were members of Congress running in the yard, though. There you go. For sure.
So we can dig up archaeology. We can find all these secret things. We can find snake stuff from 180 million years ago. We can't find the weapons in Ukraine. What happened? Maybe they buried them. It's the curse. It's the curse. It's the curse of government. Thanks so much to Isaac and George and, of course, to TJ, Anna, and Pam. I'm Brett Witterbull. Breaking with Brett Jensen is next. News Talk 1110-993-WBT.